Hi, this is Sam Chan, and welcome to the Sam Chan Leadership Podcast. It is my honor to serve you, help you achieve your dreams. Let's do this together. Let me see if you can tell me what this is. Can someone tell me what this is? Obviously, you all don't know this is North America, and this is South America. I'm very disappointed. You all are so ch- geographically challenged. <laughs> Even my grandbaby could have told me that. That's North America and South America. And here is the Panama Canal. Panama Canal. Anybody in here ever been to the Panama Canal? I saw a hand somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is me standing over here. And I noticed, I noticed that they were building on the canal and they were widening the canal. They were widening the canal. Can someone tell me why they were widening the canal? Bigger ships. Faster ships. Now this this canal was built in 1913. When they built this canal in 1913, they built it for the Largest canal, uh, ships there were. And then they added yardage to that and said, we're going to make this as big as we can because surely this is as big as ever going to be. But how many of you know that cities float now? Thousands upon thousands of people float in those cruise ships and uh, tankers that carry cargo around. So now they are, they have just finished this project in June of 2016 and they have widened the canal for bigger and faster ships. I want to ask you a question. Do you think God has bigger plans for your life? And have you not noticed that he's doing bigger things faster now? Mm-hmm. However, our challenge is we're trying to take the big things that God is doing and still squeeze them through the old canal. And it is not working. I want to give you a sentence to write down. I want to build on that. Here's the sentence. Your size and your speed. Your size and your speed is controlled by your systems and structures. Your size and your speed is controlled by your what? Systems and structures. I want to make sure that you get that. So let's say that together. One, two, three. Your Systems and structure. Uh, let me draw another, another picture over here just to, just to drive my point home. Let me see if you all can guess what this is. Uh, let me get this out of the way here. All right. Maybe you can tell me what you think this is. Yeah, Trey, that's right. Finally, somebody <laughs> got it, a train. And a train runs on what? 
railroad tracks, right? Mm -hmm. Question for you. Can you run a bigger, faster train on old tracks? Okay, very good. Question number two. If you were to run a bigger, faster train on old tracks, what will happen to the train? It'll derail. It is not that you don't have a bigger, faster vision. It's not that you're not hearing from God. But you're, you're trying to run the new thing on the old structure and systems. Uh, let, me, let me just push on this a little bit further. If the train can go 200 miles an hour and the tracks are built for 100 miles an hour, how fast is the train going to go? Mm-hmm. And that, my friends, is the challenge that the church is facing right now. God is giving us amazing opportunities. Pastor Sam talked about that. The thief and robber before me. <laughs> amazing opportunities. He's giving us great vision, but our systems and structures are so set in the 70s and 80s that they cannot accommodate the 21st century. Just how we do things. You remember when you used to go to a bookstore to buy books? You remember those days? Mm -hmm. Where do you buy most of your books now? It's still books. It's still books. Nothing changed about the product. But the delivery system has shifted. Amazon is eating everyone's lunch. Let me tell you how bad it is. Can I just tell you how bad it is? I buy my books from Amazon. And I mark them up and sell them to you. Because they've created a delivery system. If you're a Amazon Prime, you can, get your, you can get the books overnight free shipping. Part of the delivery system. Pretty soon drones will be coming to your doorstep and drop off a package. But we're still doing church. Like we've always done church. You got bigger, faster people who are coming to your church. But we're still treating them on the 100 mile railroad tracks. And I want to tell you, it just doesn't work. Because your size and your speed is controlled by what? Your Systems and structure. So I want to, uh, I get to travel all over the world. Uh, and I can tell you this. That your numbers change, but your issues remain the same. And this came to light about a year and a half ago. I was in uh, Manila. 
consulting with the church, the largest church consult with right now is 300,000 people on a given Sunday. 62 locations in the same city of Manila. It's not a denomination, it's just a church. I was having lunch with the pastor in his home on a Sunday evening and I got intrigued by his questions. His questions were no different than somebody with 200 people. I want to free you up right now. Because some of you are sitting in this room saying, when I get that big, I won't have to deal with that mess. Let me tell you, it gets messier. <laughs> I get around pastors of mega, giga churches. Giga is 10,000 and up. Uh, yeah, that's the terminology. The mega church and the giga church. Uh-huh. And their questions are no different. Issues change, but numbers, numbers change, but issues remain the same. So if you're in this room thinking that there will be a time when I won't have to deal with all these things I deal with right now, no, you'll just have more of that to deal with. So if you know where you're going, you might as well think about what are my systems and structures that are producing and what is not producing. Because in every church, there are things that are used to produce but don't produce anymore. Would you agree with that? There used to be programs that people got engaged with but nobody does that anymore. You gave her a class to teach of 35 people, she's grown it down to three. <laughs> listen, listen, can, can I tell you something? You don't need a consultant to tell you what's dying in your church. Everybody knows what's dead. Okay, okay, let me illustrate this way. Watch me, watch me, watch me. I'm in a horse. I'm riding a horse. I'm in Texas so I can do this. I'm riding a horse, I'm riding a horse, I'm riding a horse. And the horse dies under me. What do you want me to do? Dismount, get off the horse. You know what we do in church? It's dead. Come on, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, by faith, I speak life. Come on, in Jesus' name. No, it is dead. So my question for you is, what are you doing with all the corpses in your church? Because if you leave a corpse alone, pretty soon it's going to start doing what? Mm, I go to churches all the time. All I got to do is follow my nose, find the stinking stuff. Because we're still trying to do church like it used to be. We're still trying to do programs like it has always been. Now, the question becomes, if you know and I know what is dead, if everybody knows what's not working, if everybody knows that we need to widen the canal and we need to put down new railroad tracks, if everybody knows that, the question becomes, why don't we do that? Is that a logical question to ask? Why don't we do that? 
At the end of the day, after you cut through all the protocols and rigmarole and all that goes with that, at the end of the day, somebody's got to have enough courage to make the difference, to make the changes. How many of you know when you make changes, the only people who like changes are the one who propose the change? The rest of the folk are going to fight you on that. So I want to give you the five steps in the life of any organization. The five steps in the life of any organization. I'm going somewhere with this. I got two sessions, so I got lots of time. One, two, three, four, five. They all start with the letter E. The first word is entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial. Spell it any way you want to. <laughs> nobody, nobody knows. There's a lot of E's and U's and stuff like that in it. Entrepreneurial. <laughs> Number two is emerging. Emerging. Number three is established. Established. Number four is erosion. R-E-R-O-S-I-O-N. Erosion. And number five is enterprising. 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 The first one is entrepreneurial. Number two is emerging. Number three is established. Number four is erosion. Number five is enterprising. Let me make sure you got it. Number one is what? Number two? Number three, number four, and number five. Very good. Let's talk about that. Entrepreneurial is when you just have an idea, just an idea. You don't have a building. You don't have a product. You don't have a service. Uh, you don't have a staff. You don't have a phone number. You're not incorporated. You don't have an ID number. You don't have a website. You don't have a Twitter account. You don't have a Facebook account. You have nothing. It was just an idea. Just an idea. Just an idea. And then things start happening and some friends start talking about it and you start getting some money toward it and, and the more you talk about it, the more you start feeling it, things start emerging, things start happening. Things start happening. But then you get what? You get number three, you get established. Now you got a phone number, you got a website, you got a location, you offer services, you have a product, you have church services, you have membership, you're receiving offerings, you are a, you are a 501c3. If you're in America, you know, that's your nonprofit status, you got a board, you got constitution bylaws, you understand what I'm talking about? You, now you're established. So what comes right after established? Erosion. Now... This is true for everything in life. This is true for businesses. This is true for shopping centers. Okay, let's talk about that. Are there some shopping centers, some malls that at one time used to go shopping to? And now nobody goes there? Erosion. Are there some neighborhoods that you used to say, I wish I could buy a house here. But now you look back on it, glad you didn't. Marriages go through this. Homes go through this. Huh. 
Entrepreneurial is when you have an idea. Mm-hmm. You know when my wife chased, started chasing me? In 1973, um, yeah, she chased me. I slowed down finally in 1979 and she caught up with me. It was just an idea. And things started emerging. And then we get established. Oh, we got the right people in the room here today. We got the right people in the room. But if you're not careful, guess where you're headed for? Erosion. But I've got good news, good news for you. You can totally bypass erosion. Totally bypass erosion. Oh, boy. There's like some Christians. They look like they do something but really don't. If you're willing to build a bridge over erosion. You with me on that? And what is this word here? So let me, let me talk a little bit about enterprising. Enterprising is different from entrepreneurial. Enterprising is you have your services. You have a building. You have members. You receive an offering. You offer people, benefits, and services to those who come. If you're in business here today, I'm looking at some people that I know who are in business world as well. Now you have something that you offer over here. But this is rethinking how you do what you do. All right. So what do I have in my hand? A phone. When was the last time you saw a phone commercial on TV? Selling you a phone. Now they sell you everything but the phone. The only time this was entrepreneurial is when Mr. Graham Bell made the first phone call. This was totally enterprised. Because now if you watch a TV commercial, they're selling you the size, camera, it's waterproof in case you drop it in the pool. Wow. Uh, they're offering you the, the speed of the operating system. They're selling you everything except the phone. Because they have entered. So on this, anybody in here ever lost a phone? Yeah. That is the time you lose all your salvation that you do have. <laughs> I mean, didn't have much to start with. And so, because here's your contact list, here's your Facebook, here. I mean, everything that you do is on here. But this is totally enterprised. That means somebody has totally rethought its purpose. And the challenge with church is that we still have not figured out how to enterprise what we do. Uh, Pastor Sam, in one of the questions uh, that was asked, he started talking about the process that they have for distinguishing between different categories of people based on their commitment. And so 
so the, to measure commitment, there are grades that they, so to speak, that they classes and the system that they go through. That is enterprising what we used to do. Now, now you got to understand, I was born and raised in a Pentecostal pastor's home in India. Uh, in a few months, I'll be 65. So I've been in church all my life. I got saved when I was seven. I've been saved off and on since then. <laughs> yeah, don't look at me with that tone of voice like you. Like you got saved back then, you never sinned since then. Yeah, yeah. If you're having those thoughts, you're sinning right now. So, so the, the, the challenge with the church is that we have taken it to mean when he says, uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's about Jesus, not about you. <laughs> he is the same, not you. His message is the same. I've got, I've got two daughters. Uh, Rachel is 36, Debbie is 34. They think totally different from me. Totally different. Do you have anybody in here has got, you know what I'm talking about here? They, they, they process life totally different. They look at church services totally different. I, I was raised in church services. There were three hours, four hours, and that was okay. Nobody knew any different. Now? Don't try that. Uh, some of you are still doing it. Uh, 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 people just check out. They stop coming. Even if they're there, they're checked out. Okay. So, so, so and let me talk about that. Let me talk about that. I'm talking about enterprising now. Uh, a, a few, four or five of my preacher friends and I were sitting around talking about preaching styles. And through that conversation, just talking, I discovered I was on my fifth preaching style. Because early on, I would be like, mm, somebody in this, no. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, all of that. Uh, used to use this. And then I discovered they still pay you the same amount. Just get up here and talk, or you can go, yeah, somebody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, jump and shout. Why do all of that when you just get up there and talk and the check is the same? <laughs> because there was a time, listen to me now, there was a time as a preacher. You could get up there and say, and you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Not anymore. Now you've got to make room in your message to tell the story. There was a man named Daniel. He was a slave in Babylon. You have to tell, are, are you following me? So we are living in the most biblically illiterate times. People are also looking for messages that are user-friendly. And then you can give them more scriptures and more Bible in small groups and Bible studies. 
it's a different crowd now. All right. So, so course, thanks to our TV commercials, the average American, the average person in America, let me put it like that, can focus on something. I'm talking about focusing on something for no more than 28 seconds. So whenever I'm talking to a group like that, yesterday I was talking, I was in Greenville, South Carolina with, uh, with Apostle Ron Carpenter and Stephen Furtick and Tony Miller and stuff like that. 7,000 people in one room. And this is how I see people. Everybody's checking in, checking out, checking in, checking out, checking in, check. Okay, can I tell you how I'm seeing you right now? Can I tell you how I'm seeing you right now? I'm seeing you with a giant Christmas tree. Blinking lights, blinking lights, blinking lights, blinking lights, blinking lights. Okay, can, can we talk about that? Can we talk about that? Because I'm, I'm here to hopefully challenge you to make some shifts. Here's the question, and don't miss, you don't have to miss heaven over this question. How many of you in the last two, three minutes checked out of this room? Your mind went somewhere else. Can I see your hands? Come on now. Listen. My mind checked out. And I'm talking to you. All right. Let me, let me help you understand that. I'm going somewhere with this. You know, I hate coming up behind somebody like Pastor Sam who's so deep and speaks from the Bible. And you're, you're looking at him saying, he's not saying anything from the Bible. Say, where's your text? Bible. Well, just chill. Chill. I'm enterprising right now. <laughs> So this is what happens. The average, the average person's brain can process up to a thousand words a minute. Get that? So think about the thousand number for a minute. An average person's brain, if you're above average, you can do more than that. But an average person's brain will process up to a thousand words a minute. The fastest person speaking will speak between 150 and 200 words a minute. Okay? If you can process a thousand words a minute, and the fastest speaker is going to speak 150 to 200 words a minute, how much time do you have left in your brain? 800, right? Lots of room. Lots of room. So if you think, if you think everybody's listening to you, you're fill in the blank, whatever you want to call yourself. <laughs> if I assume that everybody in this room is listening to me right now, I'm stupid. Because if I, as a speaker, checked out. (laughs) 
Are you with me on that? All right. How many of you preachers? How many of you preachers? Preachers, preachers. You, preachers, you preach. Some of you are not sure. Okay, good, good, good. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, do you not agree with me? You can be preaching and thinking about like, they're stupid. Or how do I resurrect this message? You know, I get to, I get to speak, I get to speak uh, many different places. How many of you know the toughest thing is, you know in the first three minutes if you are dying or alive? Ooh, I've died so many times. So many times. And when you are dying... Your mind is going like, I got to grab something somewhere. And that is when you start preaching from Genesis to Revelation and back and forth. And it is just communication has changed. Timeliness of services have changed. Levels of engagement have changed. When we said somebody was there all Sundays, we called, we called them faithful members. Now... If they're there at least two Sundays a month, we just think they're the most faithful people in our church. Are you with me on that? Those are the, time, those are the times we're living in. Uh, there are some churches I speak at, they have five Sunday morning services, one hour each. My speaking time, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very transparent because I'm talking to leaders and preachers here, so let me work with that. My speaking time usually is 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. Because between each service, there has to be transition time. They have to windex the windows and they got to clean the bathrooms. And I mean, there are people coming. All right, so 25 minutes, I'm a guest speaker. So the first two, three minutes, I'm going to talk about how great this church is, how great the pastor is, wonderful pastor's wife. You know, you, you with me on that? Okay. So out of 25 minutes minus three, what's, what's got left now? Okay. Then I'm going to give some kind of an altar call, which is going to be another three minutes. So 22 minus three is what? 19. I'm going to sell some books. Uh, let's just say that's another... Three minutes. No, not that long. About three minutes. About three minutes. So now 19 minus three is what? 16. Yeah. That's what you got. <laughs> this is not like an airplane with a runway in which you can start slow and end high. No, it's a helicopter. <laughs> it's over before you know it. Now, you can sit and say all you want to about quench not the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit leaves after an hour. <laughs> I preached many times when I saw him walk out of the door. <laughs> Saying, Sam, you could have quit 15 minutes ago. Why do you carry on, on and on and on? I'm just trying to 
make a point with you. If you want bigger, faster ships to go through your canal, you got to do what? You got to widen the canal. If you want bigger, faster trains to go on the tracks, you got to have different tracks. Can I, can I, I'm going to just stay here for a minute. People are not looking for deep. Can I go a little deeper? No, please don't. Learn from the newspaper. An average newspaper in America is written at the fifth grade level. Except the Sunday New York Times, that's all. Apart from that, fifth grade level. So when you're trying to wow people with your highfalutin stuff, they checked out. Already they checked out. Don't make it easy for them to check out. Preaching has changed in that you can't lie from the pulpit anymore. Because people can check it out right then. You know, when you say, and the Greek says this, somebody like my daughter is looking up. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Instant verification is taking place in your... People are tweeting you out, people are Facebooking you out, people are Instagramming you out, people are recording everything you're doing. When you say 87% of this, this, this happens, somebody's Googling right there. <laughs> saying, no, it's not 87, it's 62. <laughs> I'm just trying to make a point here and the point is it's not like it used to be. I remember my father, my father, great spiritual man, man of God, amazing, amazing, anointed man of God. I don't have any of his anointing. Let me tell you that. Nothing, nothing. He paid a price for it that I'm not willing to pay. When he walked into a room, there was gravitas. When he preached from the pulpit, People believed he's speaking on God's behalf. Now, whatever you're saying is a mere suggestion. And the sentence is, I know what the Bible says, but. Because we are, we are, we are speaking to the most biblically illiterate community of people who come to our churches and the people who are coming to our churches are saying how will this matter on Monday and Wednesday because the indictment against the church is <laughs> we're answering questions nobody's asking I grew up in the time, I don't know how it was, I, need to, you know, I never talked about this with you, Pastor Tola, but I grew up in a time in which there were uh, preachers who had all these charts and graphs as to when Jesus is coming back. Did you all have that? I mean, they knew when Jesus is coming back. Oh, yeah. 
at one time i used to know exactly <laughs> when he's coming because the the 10 toes and the horns and everything you know i had it all figured out ezekiel daniel revelation oh yeah i'm so glad that i was able to get all my old tapes and burn them up cuz <laughs> i preach so much heresy now i'm just glad he's coming back i just want you to think about what needs to be enterprised what do you need to think through because in my next session i'm going to talk about i'm going to pick up where pastor sam left off and talk about your thoughts but but what 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 do you need to what do you need to what do you need to pick up what do you need, what needs to change what needs to radically change because when i'm talking about railroad tracks over there you can't go in there and pour a little bit extra cement on it and put some new bolts on it you got to tear up the old tracks and that's where it gets messy because whenever you are dismounting of this dead horse there's always a person attached to the dead horse and you're afraid of that person and you don't want to deal with that person and the question becomes for us so do we want bigger faster ships do we want bigger faster trains or are we just happy with the way it's always been and see the church go like that i've seen amazing churches go like that haven't you now if you were a church scientist and you step back from it you don't have to be a consultant you don't have to have ceu you don't have to have any degrees you don't have to read any books but if you just look at that you just see it didn't happen overnight but as you look back on it you say this is exactly what happened they just kept doing what they were doing and never met people where they really were more adult children are living at home now than ever before in america more grandparents are raising children than ever before more people are 65 and older than ever before the gap between the little children and young adults is so big so almost every progressive church that i'm aware of around the world is not youth ministry anymore it is children's ministry because every church is looking for young adults so how do you get young adults in your church offer a what and it's not like used to be in my you know when i was growing up the old sunday school you just can't tell them stories about joshua in the belly of the whale and jonah walking around the walls of jericho you can't tell them that story anymore i see some of you need to read your bible it's a different it's a different time so i want to give you four questions four questions four questions question number 1 what defines me what defines me let me give you all four questions and talk about it then question number 2 what are my deliverables these are four d's four d's the first one is what defines me 
Number one, two is what are my deliverables? What are my de- deliverables? Number three, what's my delivery system? That's the third D. And then number four is who are my drivers? Who are my drivers? I'm going to explain each one of them. Number one is what defines me. You got to know who you are. Unless you know who you are and what defines you. Because every church has its own definition of what God has called you to do. Not every church can do everything. Is that correct? So what defines you? It's important for you to know what God has called you to do. Otherwise, you're going to always keep borrowing programs from somewhere else. What has God called, defined you to do? What, 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 what is the burden and the passion God has placed in your heart? So for church A, it might be a home for unwed mothers. For church B, it might be school children. For church C, it might be a youth program. For church D, it might be a employment opportunity. Are you following me? It, 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 it is you got to know, you got to know what defines you. Because once you get comfortable with what's the vision for your church, then you go to question number two. Question number two is what? What are my deliverable so if I was to come to your store called the church what are you delivering you know people say well we are a friendly church Uh, it's just probably in your own mind I go to churches all the time you know I see greeters doing greeting each other (laughs) yeah yeah So, so, so the question the question for us is what are my deliverables? What can people predictably, okay. Church, every church that is mega has very clearly defined product. I'm using corporate term to make church understand. They know what the deliverable is. Okay, talk with me. If you went to Hillsong, what would you expect? Worship. You went to Brooklyn Tabernacle, what would you expect? Okay. If you went to Potter's House here in this city, what would you expect? Good word, huh? This will be interesting. If you went down the road to Houston to Joel Osteen's church, what would you find? Hope. He's got, he's got only one message. He's not, his guitar, his guitar doesn't have six strings. He's got one string. Every growing progressive church you're going to go to are very clear about what you do. McDonald's is not trying to be Ruth Chris. And Walmart is not trying to be Nordstrom. Very clearly defined deliverables. I, 
I would love for you to go back home from here and sit with your leadership of your church and say, when people come here, what do they buy? Consistently. What people, okay. You all said something about, about those churches, right? But you're not members of that church. But you know what their product is. So everybody knows what's the product of a certain place. Do you know what's the product of your church? Or are you just a Denny's or a Shoney's or a Waffle House or just one of those places when you can order anything? It's like a general store. Churches that do well do only a few things and do them very well. They're not trying to be a mile wide and an inch deep. They're trying to be an inch wide and a mile deep. They want everyone to know without them having to announce it, this is what our deliverables are. What's the third question? So the yeah, question is, so what's my delivery system? Once I know this is my product, how do I get the product out to you? What's my delivery system? All right. So this morning, I uh, left my home about four o'clock, went to the airport. There are, everyone's going to go through security. Yeah, no man cometh unto the airplane except through TSA. <laughs> I tell you what, you ought to travel with me sometime. Just look at me, just look at me, just look at me. All I need is a towel on my head. It is interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I used to go to the doctor for a physical exam. Why go to the doctor when you're going to go to the airport? They take my x-ray. They feel me up. And they say, you're good. Why do I have to go through? So, deliverable. So, I have to go through TSA. Now, in Atlanta, I've got three options. I can go through the regular, I can go through the pre-check, where you don't have to take anything out, or I can go through what I have, at least in some airports in America, they have what's called clear. So I go, I walk up to this kiosk this morning, I walked up to this kiosk, put my phone on it, Put my two fingers on a little pad. And I was cleared and I cut in front of the pre-check people. I pay $89 a year for that service. That's an, um, the best $89 I ever spent. Now, the product is security, safety. But there are different delivery systems. Are you following me? So what is the delivery system? So, every, so you say, well, we, we, we want people to be disciples of Jesus. I'm all over that. I get that. I, I agree with that. No, I have no problem with that. Yeah, I get that. I get that. So what's your delivery system? By osmosis? By laying on of hands? 
Just because they fall down doesn't mean they're disciples. It simply means they fell down. And if you didn't have catchers, they'll never fall down again. That's my theory. That's my theory. I've been in Pentecostal churches all my life. My theory is no catchers. If God is going to do it to them, let him do it. You want to bust your head wide open? Praise the Lord. We do funerals here. What is your delivery system? You say, well, we, we, we are about youth. Okay, get that. What's your delivery system? Because when I go into a church, your greatest theological document is your budget. Because your budget tells me what you really believe. That's it. Your budget will tell me what you really believe. If you say we are about youth and your youth budget is close to zero, you don't believe that. You just say that. If it is outreach, show me your budget. Your budget is the biggest theological document in your church. Delivery system. How do you deliver what you deliver? What is your product? And finally, what's the fourth question? Who are my drivers? Who are my drivers? That means who's going to make it happen for you? You can do it all. You can delegate it all. So who's going to make it happen for you? Who is going to do it? I didn't say who all. I said who. You know, anytime you give responsibility to a group of people, you know when it's everybody's business becomes nobody's business. You've got to know one person. If it doesn't work out, you need to know who you're going to kill. Who are your, deliver- who are your drivers? Who are actually make it happen? Because if you can think of those four things, I can guarantee you, you will enterprise. Because those are the four things most people never think about consciously. So let me give you three more words, three more words. And then we'll do some question and answers and then I'm going to sell you some books and then I'm going to conclude at the end. (laughs) You know how I sell books? I learned that from Billy Graham. The way he gives altar calls. Used to. About five minutes into his message, he says, in a little bit, thousands of you are going to come to these altars. He'll preach a little bit more than that. Thousands of you are going to come to these altars. That's what I'm doing. Thousands of you. So... Yeah, the three words. Choices, chances, changes. Choices, chances, changes. Choices, chances, changes. Everyone together. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about those. All of you are going to make choices. You can come to this great conference and a choice could be I ain't changing nothing. Some of you are saying I'm going to change everything. I don't think either one of those extremes is good. If you want to keep your job, don't change everything. (laughs) Next thing you know, you'll have a (laughs) U-Haul. To make a choice is a choice. To delay a choice is a choice. To defer a choice is a choice. To not make a choice is a choice. You're going to make 
thousands of choices consciously or unconsciously all day today. You're going to make choices. You are making choices right now as to what to do with enterprising. Because you see, you already know, but you're making choices right now. Because when you make choices, then you're going to have to take what? Chances. And chances are about taking risk. The biggest risk you're probably going to ever take in your life is not taking a risk. So when we all came to America, I came to America in 1973. Whenever you came to America or Canada, we did what? We took a risk. Yeah, it was. we took chances. I landed at JFK Airport in August of 1973 with literally 87 cents in my pocket. I remember that. Because anybody, you know, you've been to JFK, right? It's a big round place. So I landed on Air France. I had never left home. I was 20. I had never left home. I had never been on an airplane in my life. The first airplane I got on my life was from India to Atlanta. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and so I came through Paris, landed in JFK. And I was supposed to catch a flight to Atlanta on Eastern Airlines. Anybody here old enough to remember Eastern Airlines? Mm -hmm. Before they went into erosion. <laughs> because they could not enterprise. Oh yeah, there are stories. Just think about anybody like that. So I, I landed in international section, had to walk over to the domestic section I had my suitcase with me, you know. I didn't know, I didn't need to bring all that junk with me, but I brought all those suitcases with me. And I'm trying to walk across and the shuttle comes by, airport shuttle. And I got on the shuttle. In those days, they used to charge you a dollar to take you where you needed to go. So the driver says, that'll be a dollar, sir. I go to my pockets, pull out all the change, 87 cents. So I said to him, this is what I got. As they do only New York. He told me, get off my bus. <laughs> Welcome to America. I was a janitor, breakfast cook, and dishwasher. Plunging toilets and sweeping sidewalks for four years. But I never told my parents I was doing that. Because if my parents had found out that I was cleaning toilets... Come back home, boy. You don't need to be doing that. You take chances. You are where you are in life because you took some. So why have you stopped now? Why are you playing it safe now? Why aren't you taking the risks that you've always taken? Because this is what I found. As soon as you get established, you stop taking chances. When you started your church, when you started your church with 20 folding chairs that did not work, they were duct taped together. When you started your church, then the toilet would not work. When you started a church where the light bulb was always flickering, you took chances. Man, you took risks. 
You believed God. You went after it. You rallied the people. You say, "Yeah, we can do this." What happened to all that? Got established. Got settled. Don't want to take those risks anymore. And so your church grew exponentially because you took risks and took chances. But when you take chances, it takes you to word number three, which is what? Changes. Changes.